the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. We're here to support your company and your employees now and in the future. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Later in the show, I'll be talking to Charlie Taylor of the Irish Times and Professor Ronan Farrell of Maynooth University about the launch of 5G mobile technology in Ireland. What will it mean for consumers and businesses here? But first, Laura Slattery joins me in studio to run through some of the major business stories of the week. Laura, you're very welcome. And we're going to start with property. That's right. There's a new property price figures today mm. that show it, they've cooled to a growth rate of, of 2%. This so is residential property. Yeah, and that's in the year to June. And that's the lowest growth rate in six years. Um, this so what's time going last on? year, you know, we had a growth rate of twelve uh, percent. So it's a it's a cooling, and it's uh, generally a welcome, I guess. But uh, people are saying it's maybe partly related to the higher supply that we have in the market now. But there hasn't necessarily been a huge growth in transactions in new homes either that you would expect. So it's perhaps affordability um, is really kind of putting pressure on consumers and basically just lower demand in, in, in some yeah, in some respects. these rules from the Central Bank of Ireland have also been cited as well, haven't they? Because they, they kind of put a cap on how much people can borrow and how much uh, the banks can lend. And I guess Brexit is a, is in effect as well. Yeah, consumer sentiment. I mean, nobody really kind of knows where the, the economy is going to go. Um, people aren't necessarily seeing any rises in their pay packets. Um, mm. So the... the Issues that were putting houses out of reach before for a great many people, you know, are, are still there. They're still un, un, unaffordable for many. Um, so, you know, uh, if supply is uh, expected to increase again this year, um, <laughs> you know, I don't mm. know, that's not going to have a huge, massive impact on house prices unless these affordability issues can be um, can be resolved. Now, I should say, I say this has been sort of welcomed by, by most people to sort of this destabilisation in the market, except, of course, there are still some homes in, in, in negative equity since the crash. Mm. Um, but, you know, as I said, it, it, at least it sort of it sort of takes some of the panic and the frenzy out of, out of things that maybe we were at risk of seeing uh, in the last few years. Now, moving to commercial property, uh, a big deal announced today, the sale of Greenreach. That's right. So there's um, Green Reach. It, it put itself up for sale in, in April and it's been bought by the UK property firm Henderson Park and the deal sort of values the company at about $1.34 billion. So, you know, the company says itself, Chairman uh, Gary Kennedy says it, it represents a good outcome for shareholders. There's a premium of about 25% on the, the price that was there in April just before it announced the sale and it's about 5% up on the Tuesday's uh, closing price. So, you know, shareholders will be receiving about uh, 191 per in cash per share um, just mm. above that so it's actually higher than a lot of commentators would have expected uh, some weeks ago yeah I mean I think there's uh, definitely some uh, call to say that you know uh, Mr Kennedy is, is is speaking the truth when he says this is an attractive outcome for shareholders and I, uh, I think it is expected to be approved by shareholders and hopefully finalised by November um, but you know things have been I guess you know the reason that it was up for sale in the first place is that the valuation the company wasn't quite as high as the um, the valuation of its portfolio. So I guess um, from Henderson's point of view, you know, they can get their hands on this portfolio. Maybe it's a nice price for them as well. Yeah. Uh, and a good outcome, obviously, for the two main players at Greenreach, who were Stephen Vernon and Pat Gunn. And previously, um, they did very well at a green property. 
That's right. So, yeah, Green Reach is uh, a real estate investment trust. Mm. So there's a few of them listed. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been listed since 2013 and, you know, it has attracted a lot of investor interest over that time. And it has an annual rent, you know, of, of 79.4 million. So it's, it's that which is up uh, on last year from about 72 million. So, you know, there are signs, you know, although net profits were a bit down, you know, over the, uh, over the year. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of healthy signs there for the company. Yeah. Now, Sports Direct in the UK, owned by Mike Ashley, and indeed they have a presence here in Ireland. Uh, they've been having a, a tough time of late and some more bad news for them today. Yeah, I mean, I think we can confidently say this is a not so healthy company. Um, so Grant Thornton has resigned as its auditor um, with, with, with effect from the date of its AGM, which is the 11th of September. So, you know, in order to, to comply with stock market rules in the UK, um, Sports Direct now has a month to replace it, which w- might not be so easy because it's already kind of said, well, you know, we've been shopping around, you know, they were expecting this to happen. Um, so it might not be so easy for our Sports Direct to replace Grant Thornton because a number of the other big four uh, accountancy giants have said that they have client conflicts. Mm. And as I said, it, it's, you know, it's it's actually under the rules. It must have an auditor. But um, if it can't, you know, hire one, then the uh, UK business secretary, Andrea Letsom, has the power to appoint one. Now, where she finds one, I don't know. But, um, you know, it could, if, if it could end up in a situation where it's the first uh, major publicly quoted company mm. not to have an auditor. It'd be a rum day for a big PLC not to be able to, a high profile one like Sports Direct, not to be able to find an auditor, I would have thought. Yeah, and this is sort of just one of many problems it's having. I mean, I guess they're all, you know, related, but it's sort of almost um, effectively said that it regrets its uh, purchase of, of House of Fraser, the uh, the department store group there last year. Um, it's bought a couple of other retailers. It, it, you know, Mike Ashley also tried to take, take Debenhams, yeah, but that, 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 Ended in, in failure on his part at, the, at this uh, mm. at the time, but and even Newcastle lost at the weekend in the Premier League. Well, yeah, well, it's not it's not a good time for Mister Ashley. Yeah, I'm sure okay, he'll yeah. find a way to fight back, though. Yeah, given the nature of the man, probably not too much sympathy out there in the corporate world for him. But anyway, we'll move on and we'll move to travel. Uh, some bad news, uh, certainly for the staff of Norwegian Air this week, and and potentially bad news for consumers in Ireland too. That's right. So Norwegian Air, which, you know, only launched uh, routes out of Dublin to North America two summers ago, has said now it's going to close the Dublin base, which is putting up to 134 pilot and cabin crew jobs at risk. So, you know, what's really prompted this, although it's not maybe the only reason, is the problems of Boeing. It's the grounding of the 737 MAX fleet. Uh, That's particularly uh, hit uh, Norwegian Air. Um, it's not the only ones, you know, Ryanair has been affected. Um, the travel group TUI has also been affected by that. But yeah, it's it's bad news for consumers because it was bringing in extra competition to those routes. It was seen as a sort of a budget option. It, 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 yeah, know. and I, I would imagine they were keeping manners on Aer Lingus if nothing else, because the American carriers are probably largely focused on American tourists coming to and from Ireland, uh, whereas Aer Lingus is more focused on the domestic market. And Norwegian, very focused on the domestic market as well. Yeah, so I mean, when Tourism Ireland uh, says, you know, the decision is, is regrettable, I mean, you, you have to agree because, uh, you know, all competition in this area is, is good competition, really, from, from consumers' point of view. Uh, but but Norwegian has, se- has said it's it's unsustainable. You know, they'd already pulled out of some routes from, from Cork and Shannon earlier in the year. Um, so this, it's a bad sign. 
Yeah. Okay. Good for uh, good for Erlingus, though. I guess. Um, now, Thomas Cook. Um, they're going to need a, a, re- a fairly substantial recapitalization. Tell us why. Yeah. I mean, it's actually one billion uh, that they need in in euro terms. It's uh, it's they had already been in in the hunt for about seven hundred and fifty million sterling in in capital raising that they said they needed to get through the winter. And it said the other day they needed a hundred another hundred and fifty million sterling. So that takes it up to almost. Uh, 1 billion in euro terms. Um, So its share price plunged 18% there on Monday, but it's actually down over 90% over the year because it's been having terrible problems. I mean, it it starts, you know, kind of innocuously enough with kind of hot weather uh, last summer, which meant people took staycations in in the British uh, market and then they didn't have the burning need to go on a winter uh, holiday either. And then this year, the big factor, I guess, for them is that people have been putting off booking holidays because of Brexit, uh, because of the weaker sterling. And it's all kind of combined, you know, hasn't been in, I suppose, in in the best of shape over the last few years anyway. I guess, you know, package holidays is, is a market that's been under under some pressure over kind of a longer term basis. Um, Where do you but, stand on package holidays, Laura? Well, I mean, I I, I haven't booked one myself for a long time, but I, the, and the last one I booked would have been a sort of a long haul, you know, specialist uh, uh, scenario, which is where I think, think companies like this still come in very useful. Um, but there's lots of reasons why I think people do still book uh, package holidays. There's, a, there's it, in some respects, there's some greater consumer protection involved. Um, they're they're popular with older people who have sort of used uh, intermediaries all their lives for these kinds of holidays, and you know appreciate the services that they get at the destination. So it's it's not it's not a growth market put that way, but um, you know. Uh, Tui Group, as I mentioned earlier, they're also not having the best of times lately, yeah. although they're nowhere near as, you know, in the kind of desperate straits that Thomas Cook are in. Um, so it's just, it's just the, you know, it's one of those things, the market just changes over time. Thomas Cook has been on the go since the 1840s when it was sort of doing train trips from one part of England to another. And it's just having a few problems uh, sort of seeing out this particular um, kind of storm, shall we say, of consumer sentiment, Brexit and just change in market trends. Yeah, of course, not the only one in the travel sector experiencing those uh, difficulties and a, a long way to go, I'm sure. Uh, Laura, thank you for joining us. Thanks. We're going to take a short break now. When we return, we'll be talking about the launch of 5G mobile technology in Ireland. Back in a few moments. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. Welcome back to this Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. On Tuesday, Vodafone became the first mobile operator here to launch 5G. So what will this mean for Irish consumers and businesses? How much will it cost? And will it finally deliver high-speed broadband to rural Ireland? Joining me in studio to answer these questions and others are Charlie Taylor of the Irish Times and Professor Ronan Farrell from Maynooth University, which earlier this year opened a national 5G test centre. Um, Charlie, you covered the Vodafone launch. What's the planning to do? Yeah, well, uh, there's been a lot of excitement about it. You know, maybe some of that is a bit ahead of time because, you know, it's been announced and it is being rolled out in five cities across the Republic initially, but that's only in certain parts of it. And for people that want to use 5G and to avail of the technology, they're going to need to have 5G enabled phones, which means splashing out a bit on new phones. Um, I think the key thing people are excited about is the fact that, you know, the thing they'll notice immediately is it's 
incredibly fast compared to 4G or 3G services. But well, we were kind of told that about yeah. 4G versus 3G. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure that, that actually <laughs> materialised. Um, so how can we be sure that 5G will actually be incredibly fast? Yeah, uh, well, it definitely is. I mean, and uh, I, I suppose the problem is, is is with the mobile operators, when 4G came along, mm. it was very much sold as this is going to be a super incredibly fast and it's going to change everything. Mm. And it was fast and, you know, that's great if you want to download a program quickly off Netflix, something like that. But, it, it you know, it didn't change our world. I suppose, you know, it's been hyped a bit like that with 5G coming along, but there is the potential, and I'm sure Ronan will be better at talking about this than me, that it will actually bring around significant changes. I mean, I suppose, first of all, there's the thing that it is faster. Uh, it's more security-wise, it's better. It's more reliable in terms of, you know, the, the quality of the service. And in terms of that, you know, the the, the fact that it has lower latency brings huge uh, benefits. Yeah. So, OK, so talk me through exactly where it's going to be available and from when. Sure. So it's in five, it's the five big cities, so Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway and Waterford. And at the moment, that's just spots within those cities. Rotophone have said they're going to be rolling out the service to other towns and cities around the place over the next coming months. And they're promising that by the end of 2020, it will be available nationwide. I suppose one one caveat that they've said is, you know, because of course, the question that immediately springs to mind is, well, why not just go with 5G instead of the national broadband plan? Seeing as that's been, you know, has caused so much controversy and there's so many delays. Vodafone have been quick to stress, and they've stressed this a number of times, that 5G, while it can be useful in terms of a, a solution for rolling out, you know, broadband technology across the country, it's not the panacea. It's not the solution by itself. By its nature, it's a shared technology. Whereas, you know, the whole idea of the National Broadband Plan is very much that it's a dedicated connection into everyone's home. Right. Ron Farrell, are you excited by the launch of 5G? Um, yes, I am, actually, because um, 5G, I would take actually everything Charlie said. I think it is overhyped at the moment. But 5G is a suite of technologies, and this is just the beginning of a wave of technologies that are going to come to us soon. So this is the start. I think over the next five, ten years, you're going to see more and more new technologies that offer all those new capabilities. I think what we have here today is just the easiest one, the first one, which is basically enhanced services to people on their mobile phones. They're going to get super fast internet to their phones. But actually, 5G offers so much more. Kind of than just that. Like what? Um, the low latency is the one that we're thinking of autonomous vehicles. So cars, drones, anything automated, smart factories. So 5G is about 20 different technologies. And the trick is they're actually all going to work together. And what we're going to see is this unified platform where it doesn't matter what you're using, 5G will let you have it. But it will be different things for different people. So for me, the most exciting one is autonomous vehicles. Which well, are years off, aren't they? I mean, electrical, they, electric vehicles are years off, never mind autonomous. They are, they are. And I think some of these things you're looking at 5G is a 20-year horizon. And so I think the first one is people will get mobile phones and enhanced services at least four or five times better than what they are today. And that'll let you have augmented reality, mm. virtual reality services. So most probably, most obvious one will be gaming or AR, like Pokemon Go, done like on a really advanced scale. Uh, and then you're going to find increased services, kind of fixed wireless broadband that can be delivered to houses in the countryside. Again, not a replacement for national broadband. So do we need the broadband plan, the national broadband plan, in your opinion? Uh, the national broadband plan and 5G are, are different, techno different solutions for different Which problems. is better? 
<laughs> I think they're complementary. Um, That's a very diplomatic answer. It, it is a very diplomatic answer. The 5G, in all fairness, because of the nature of it, the high high uh, performance will be concentrated where there will be mm. high populations. It is not well suited to the rural areas where there's very few people. So in that case, 5G as being offered by Vodafone or Air or Meteor is not going to be the solution that national broadband, the national broadband plan is offering. Okay. So now we I, still need to cover the rural areas, but it'll be a different solution. I mentioned earlier that Maynooth launched a national 5G test centre earlier this year. What, what are you doing out there? What, what kind of work are you up to? So kind of what we're looking at is evaluating technologies that will assist companies incorporate 5G technologies into their products. That's our primary use case. So if you're looking at, let's say, smart fridges or smart cities, everyone's talking about putting a mobile phone connection into their products so they can communicate to something else. So we're... So they can listen in, perhaps, as well. I mean, the privacy issues here as well. There are privacy issues, but ignoring that for the moment, what we want to do is help Irish companies develop technology that lets them produce products that can sell into the 5G world. So that's our aim. Is this endless march of technology a good thing for us as a society? Because we have seen some very serious issues around privacy over the last uh, couple of years. We've become aware of these, you know, between speakers, uh, Alexa speakers and so forth, listening into people and uh, Facebook, um, listening into people on uh, various apps, uh, messenger apps and uh, so forth. And, you know, I don't know, potentially fridges or whatever else uh, is in the connected world, perhaps listening in in your conversations. So I'm very clear cut on this kind of communication is fundamentally good. Universally, it has been an assistance. It's been the greatest uh, technological achievement that has alleviated poverty in the developing world. It's connected people in uh, Malaysia, in deepest Africa with modern society. So fundamentally, it is a good thing. The role of data privacy, social networks, things like that, they're actually quite different. We had those even in the past before we had mobile phone technologies. So how we use it, I will agree that there are some things that I would personally prefer were changed. But our ability to communicate and connect with each other, I think, is fundamentally a good thing. And being able to do it faster and more reliably will let us offer more services to people. If you kind of, it can be abused and where there is no regulation, it can, companies can get ahead of our responsibilities and our, our understanding of what is good or bad. So I think we need to keep control of those. But the technology is good. And I think you will find that like 4G, if you think back, before 4G, we didn't have any smartphones. 4G enables smartphones. And where will we be today without our smartphones? We do enjoy that. And I think when we find 10 years time, look at 5G, we'll find that there will be a similar radical change. But we do need to keep an eye on those data yeah. privacy issues. But they're, that's separate. That's the big Facebook and social networks. And I think that's a different issue. Okay, Charlie, let's get down to brass tacks in terms of cost. What's it going to cost consumers and businesses, both in terms of the plans they're going to need um, to connect to these networks and also in terms of the hardware? Sure, details are a bit sketchy at the moment still. I suppose, you know, it's only just been introduced. Vodafone have said initially that they're going to have prices for plans ranging from an introductory offer of €25 Euros per month for a SIM-only mobile plan and from €30 Euros per month with a handset. Now, of course, there's going to be the cost of a handset. Handsets generally, you know, if you get in the top of the range one, like the ones that are coming out now for 5G, are costing around the €1,000 Euro mark. 
So, you know, obviously so that forms as part are, of your are handset. Using now, are any of them compatible with 5G? No, unless you've got a brand new, there's, there's two, the, the ones Vodafone are offering, there's a Samsung one and a Huawei one. They are literally just coming to the market with uh, Vodafone in Ireland. Now, if you've got a, if you've got a, a a 5G phone from somewhere else that's you can use that on the new network as well which would obviously cut costs but like say something like if you're an iPhone user it's probably not going to be at least until late next year or sometime next year before a, a 5G version of the iPhone comes out so at the very at the very minimum you're you're looking at a new handset if you want to go All right now Vodafone are making great play on the fact that this is really going to benefit businesses going forward how so well, I, I suppose a lot of things that, you know, again, the speed is, is, is the initial one, but lots of things are so, sort of suggesting things like, you know, IoT, the Internet of Things, linking everything up together in sort of things like agriculture, is, as an example, is, is a good place where, you know, there's, there's lots of developments of being able to be now, even being able to find out where your, where your cattle are you know, by having sensors around on, on their collars or, or whatever or, or right. attached to them is a way of being able to see how much stock you have and where it is and if if your animals are well, et cetera. So that's sort of agri- the agriculture sector is a big area they're talking about. Places like manufacturing where you could have sensors on, you know, or tags on products so it's easier to track them and to move them around quicker. Those are sort of some of the examples where they're yeah. su- suggesting 5G will have a big impact. Uh, Ronan, Charlie mentioned Huawei there uh, as potentially having a 5G phone. A lot of concerns, obviously, about uh, Huawei, Chinese company, and that it could be spying uh, on behalf of the Chinese state and uh, a lot of accusations uh, flying around, uh, particularly in the United States. Huawei denies all of this, of course, it must be said. Uh, Would you be happy to have a Huawei handset? Uh, Yes, Um, I'm aware of those security concerns. I can't speak towards those, but I kind of, yes, kind of all our networks are kind of can, are, can be well-defined and well-secured against any of those issues. So I'm perfectly happy with a Huawei phone. And how might 5G change the work of the University of Maynooth? Uh, well, that's a really good question. Um, generally in the university, kind of, kind of a lot of our students are extremely well-connected. They kind of they take their lectures over their wireless devices. We can see us offering more services in that way, maybe even more video, real-time lectures and video talks. Um, so I think like a lot of other people, we can do asset tracking, we can do kind of understanding where the students go, but we will also like to deliver new services. Mm. So from the university's teaching perspective, I can see us using that. But from my research team's perspective, we just see a huge opportunity to grow Irish business. As you say, smart farming, smart tech, um, drones, but also everywhere down to medical devices, home health, smart cities. So it's, there really is a case where 5G will touch everything uh, in the world at the moment. Charlie, we mentioned Vodafone, their first out of the traps. What are the other mobile operators planning? Yeah, well, uh, back in 2017, there were five operators applied and got uh, got bandwidth for, for to roll out 5G services. Um, well, at the moment, obviously, Vodafone are out this week. Air are reportedly about to launch their services. It could be as early as next month. And three seem to be a little bit behind. They're saying there's going to be a service out by the end of the year and that they're going to be going aggressively next year, which you can read that whichever way you like, you know. Yeah. Ron, it strikes me that when 3G came out, no sooner was it out when we were talking about 4G and the potential for that. And when 4G was out, no sooner uh, had we all adapted it than we were talking about the potential for 5G. Um, is there 6G on the horizon or where do we go from here? Yes, it's already been started to be talked about. Uh, it's still very early stages. 
What you have to understand is each generation of mobile phone technology is about a 50-year cycle. It takes about 20 years of preparation, and then about a 20, each technology is about a 20-year life cycle, 2025. 20, so kind of 2G looks like it'll be shut down sometime soon around the world, but that's been running now for 20, 25 years. But before that, it does take about 15 to 20 years to develop the technology. So now they are already talking about 6G, about what it could be. Again, they will say it's it's the next best thing, a huge improvement. But it will be 10 to 15 years of research and then technology development before we even start talking about a deployment. So at least if you buy a, a new 5G phone, you won't have to replace it two months later with a 6G one. Absolutely not. <laughs> right, okay. And Charlie, just to be clear, for people who have phones that work on 4G, they're probably perfectly happy with the service. Will that continue to operate once 5G is rolled out by all the Absolutely, operators? Absolutely, yeah. 4G is going to continue. I mean, that's, you know, and most people, it should be said, are, are very happy with 4G. It's going to be a while. I don't think there's going to be immediate rush to jump to 5G. It will be as people start to replace their phones. Typically, they're holding on to their handsets for longer anyway because of the expense of them. You know, and because the changes that are happening in terms of smartphone development, uh, you know, there's not such big leaps as there once in the past. So many people are going to stay on 4G for a long, for a while longer, and you know, they'll be able to carry on as they are. All right, um, Ronan, when are you going to be making the jump to 5G? Um, probably next year. I'm hoping. Right. But are you a Vodafone customer? I am a Vodafone customer. Oh, right. Okay, good news for Anna O'Leary and Nadine. <laughs> okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Laura Slattery, Charlie Taylor, and Professor Ronan Farrell. Jennifer Ryan produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. <laughs>